Did you sing, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee? Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you, Lord, for being the greatest, for being the highest, for coming into our lives. Lord, thank you. Take your Bible this morning, please. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Lord willing, Brother Steve, we'll finish up this chapter this morning. Good, good morning, sir. Uh, we're looking here uh, at the Sermon on the Mount, this first great a uh, wonderful discourse of Christ. And we made the point, it, it seems to uh, look ahead to the millennial kingdom. And of course, that's, Brother Gary, a great part of our hope, that, that thousand-year reign of Christ on earth and, and us reigning with him. I was looking at uh, one man's notes uh, this morning, and he said, uh, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount, yes, well, it does seem to look ahead to the millennial kingdom. It's a wonderful exhortation to righteous living, uh, for believers today, for believers who are looking ahead to the coming millennium, and it is that, isn't it? Uh, it's a wonderful exhortation to righteous living, and uh, we've made the observation that um, this sermon is really written to believers, of course. It's not about how to be saved. Uh, it's about the evidence of righteousness that God pours into our lives once we're saved, right? Has God done that for you? Has the Lord come into your life and kind of helped you clean up some things that needed to be cleaned up a little bit? He's done that in my life. By the way, is he still working on you, church? Is he still working on you? Are you glad for that? Are you glad for that? It's not always easy, though, right, Marilyn? <laughs> you know, we suffer the conviction. The Lord says, hey, that, that's, that's something that still needs to be worked on. Okay, Lord. We agree, right? We just agree. That's confession and say, okay, Lord, I confess that. Uh, Lord, I look to you for your grace, your strength. Put that off. Put on obedience in its place. And, well, that's how we grow. That's one of the ways we grow, at least. We praise God for that. Uh, let's look here this morning. Uh, Jesus continues his, his sermon here. I want to pick it up in verse 33 this morning. Why don't we stand? Let's stand if you're able to. And I want to read the passage this morning, beginning in uh, Matthew 5, 33. We'll read down through the end of the chapter, uh, verse 48. So uh, Matthew 5, beginning in verse 33. Uh, here Christ is preaching. He says again, uh, ye have heard that it hath been said, it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But, verse 37, let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Okay. Uh, verse 38, uh, ye have heard that, it, Jesus says, uh, it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. tooth. But, but, he says, I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee, on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, with him go twain, go two. Uh, give to him that asketh thee, uh, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Verse 43, the Lord continues, he says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt 
love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Lord, help us. Uh, verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have thee? Do not even the publicans the same. Uh, and, verse 47, if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Don't those lost legalists do the same thing? Uh, and so verse 48, the Lord commands here, he says, Be ye therefore perfect, mature, spiritually mature, uh, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, and so here this morning, standards of, of kingdom conduct or standards of righteousness uh, to, the which, to which, there we go, the Lord calls his people. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Thank you this morning, Lord, for uh, the privilege to have this sermon that our Savior preached. Lord, what a great privilege that is. Lord, we understand this morning kind of where it fits, but I also understand this morning that uh, you're calling your people to standards of righteousness that, uh, Lord, I, I believe would be simply impossible without your presence in our lives. Lord, as we look ahead to the millennial kingdom and the, and the reign of Christ at that time, I, I pray that you'd help us to take up these standards even now, Lord, even now, uh, that our lives would bring you the glory and honor, Lord, that they should. Father, this morning, I thank you that we can take up these things, not, not be frustrated by them, but, but Lord, take them up and, and ask you for grace and strength to apply these principles to our lives even now, Lord, that we might bring you honor and glory with our lives just exactly as you desire. Lord, I pray again this morning we'd not be frustrated by how far we fall short at times, but that, Lord, we'd be, we'd be encouraged by you and your grace, the grace that we find in Christ and the strength that we find uh, to get up and uh, face the day and uh, to, to strive in your strength to live as you desire. Lord, I thank you this morning when we do, when we yield to you in these things, you strengthen us and you bless us. Lord, I pray that you'll work here now this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Do you ever find yourself getting frustrated at the high standards of righteousness the Lord calls us to? Does that ever feel like just a, a pretty tall order? You ever struggle with that at all? You know, sometimes, Marilyn, people, people look at a passage like this and say, you know what, I just can't live that way. You ever feel that way? I just can't live that way, and so what? What will what, what, what people say sometimes? I'm not even going to try. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it's, you, can, you can get there. You find yourself there. Or you can look at a passage like this and say, boy, Lord, uh, that, that's a pretty tall order there. Uh, that's, that's a tall order. It is, right? Everything that you see here, doesn't it feel pretty hard? feels hard, right? Does it feel hard? You, you, could, you could look at it and say, Lord, that, that feels hard, but I know that you're a great God. I, I know that you're a mighty God. And, and Father, I, I know that if I'll just yield myself to you and say, well, okay, Lord, this is the standard of righteousness 
that you're calling your, your people, your disciples to. Lord, I, I know this morning, I, I, can't, I can't do any of this apart from you, but my heart is to yield to you, to not run away from these things to which you're calling me, but to yield to you and say, boy, Lord, if, if you'll work in my life as I yield to you with, with a humble intention to live this way, I'll, and, and I'll just trust you to pour your grace and your strength into my life, uh, you, can, you can go on, amen? And you can have some victories. You, you can have some victories because you're not, you're not running away from the Lord and, and his word in frustration or just a you know, constant sense of defeat. You could just say, Lord, I, I'm weak, but you are strong. <laughs> and I'll look to you for the grace and strength I need to, uh, to live my life, to conform my life as closely to your words as, as you can. Have you done that? Uh, have you done that lots of times? <laughs> daily, right? We do that daily. Um, and so here's the question for those, those that would say, yep, you know what? I've, I've done that once, twice, three. I'm, I am doing that. That's, that's how I live my life as a believer. Uh, can you look back and say, sure enough, as I've just yielded the Lord and looked to him for strength, he has grown me. And while I, I, my life is not perfectly conformed to a passage like this, I could say it's a little closer than it used to be. Could you say that? Yeah, and if you can, you say amen. Th thank you, Lord. I'm not perfect. I sin all the time still, but I know I have a Savior, and my heart is to live according to your word for your honor and your glory. And, and Lord, you are achieving that in my life as I simply yield to you. That, that's not frustrating, is it? Is, is there any frustration in that? No, there, there, you can celebrate that. You can say, Lord, yeah, sure enough, I'm, I'm not all the way there yet, but, but as I yield, you're, you're growing me, and there's greater uh, conformity of my heart and my life to your word, and, and I celebrate that. I praise you for that. God, I thank you for that, and I praise you for that this morning. Uh, Lord, give us that kind of a heart, amen? <laughs> give us that kind of a heart. Zach, did I pray yet? We're not sure. No one's sure. Did I pray yet? I did. We're good to go. Okay, let's jump right in here, please. I want you to see, we'll, we'll see several things here this morning. I'm not sure how far we'll get, but uh, we'll, go, we'll go as far as we can without rushing too awful much. We see here, number one this morning, uh, Lord is teaching, he's teaching principles of righteousness. And of course, these will be in, in, in force in the future, but Lord would call us to these things now, uh, those of us who are looking ahead to his kingdom. Uh, principles of righteousness here, number one this morning, uh, the, the law of swearing oaths, the law of swearing oaths, and Lord cares about this, so we need to care about this also. Look at verse 33. He says again, uh, ye have heard, back in the law, back in the Old Testament, that uh, it hath been said by them of old, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now, this really isn't about profanity. It's, it's not about that kind of swearing, right? Here, here the idea is, the, the, the principle the Lord is referring to is this principle we see in Scripture of, uh, of swearing oaths, sw saying, swearing that you're going to do something uh, and, and then doing it. Amen? Uh, may I ask you this question this morning? Uh, should believers be the most honest, truthful people around? We should be, amen? Don't, don't you think? We ought to be the most honest, truthful, trustworthy people around. We ought to be people who, when we say something, we mean it, and people can trust us because there's been a pattern of a faithfulness in our lives. We say what we mean, uh, and we do what we mean, and people see that, and, and they learn to trust us. And, you know, if that's the pattern that's in our life, that's a good thing. It brings honor to the Lord. Well... 
um, it, it seems to be the case that um, the Jews understood this. They, they understood that uh, they, they should be people of their word, uh, no doubt. Uh, they had passages, um, various passages we could look at. For example, Leviticus 19.12. Just make a note. Leviticus 19.12. There in the law, the Bible says, Ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. It's just one of a number of places in the Old Testament where the Lord, um, the Lord taught people uh, to be faithful to their oaths, to keep their promises uh, that they make. And if they... If they would swear a promise in the Lord's name, they need to be especially careful uh, to keep that promise. By the way, if, if they didn't swear, a, a swear an oath, make a promise in the Lord's name, um, would that give them an excuse under the law to be dishonest or to not keep their word? Would it? No. No, it wouldn't. But over time, the clear teaching of the Old Testament about swearing oaths in the Lord's name uh, it got kind of twisted, and it got convoluted, and it, and it got corrupted. And people kind of landed at a place where they said, you know what? If, if I don't swear an oath in the Lord's name, uh, I won't have to be quite as careful about keeping it. You get that? <laughs> it, I understand, you know, the Bible teaches about swearing an oath, keeping oaths, and swearing an oath in God's name. But, but if I don't do that, maybe I can wiggle out from having to keep all the oaths that I swear by just not swearing it in his name. That, that seem right? It doesn't seem right at all, right? Uh, it, but that's, that's kind of what became the practice. Uh, I, I won't swear in God's name and then I won't have to be as careful about keeping my promise, uh, keeping my oath. And so, you know, Christ comes in and he says, hey, uh, the, the, the overriding idea here of these several verses is, God's people ought to be honest no matter what. And not swearing an oath in God's name is, is not an excuse. It's, it doesn't give you wiggle room uh, at, at all. And he says, you know, you know what? Maybe you just shouldn't swear in, in God's name at all because you've, you've, made a, uh, you, you've made that into something that God never intended. Look, look at verse 33. He says, but uh, I say unto you, you know what, just swear not at all. You don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to swear an oath in God's name. Whether you swear it in my name or not, you ought to be people who are trustworthy and reliable. Uh, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it's his footstool, uh, neither by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. That's true. Uh, the, verse 36, neither shalt thou swear by thy head. Uh, I don't think I've done that, Brother Gary. Because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Uh, we ought to just be people who are honest and trustworthy. We ought to be people who uh, others can trust. Are we that all the time? Are we that all the time? Without exception? We should try to be. Um, we should try to be. What if we struggle with that? What, what if we struggle with that? I'm, same things we've already said, right? Lord, Lord, help me to be a person who uh, is trustworthy for you. God, God, help me to be someone that people can look to and say, hey, uh, he's a man of his word. She's a man of her word. Uh, Lord, Lord, help me to be that uh, for you. Why, why for you? Because uh, our reputation is, is how people perceive what a Christian is. And how people perceive what a Christian is, is how people perceive who Christ is and what he's like, right? Christians are running around being uh, untrustworthy or intentionally dishonest. Uh, what, what are we? Christians 
uh, they, they might just assume that Christ is the same way, right? He's uh, not, not, not a man, a God-man of, of his word. What if someone, a lost person, decides that uh, Christ uh, it, it, his, is not trustworthy, uh, his word is not trustworthy? What might they reject before they even get started? What might they reject? They might reject him and his words, right? The very notion that the Bible is, is, the, is Christ's words, uh, you know, I... I, I see Christians running around, they're just dishonest all the time, or they're not trustworthy. They say things, they don't do them, do the things. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I feel very highly of Christians, and uh, I'll just conclude that their Christ is nothing special, and uh, whatever he has said is probably no more trustworthy than what his people have said. Uh, that's not a good thing. <laughs> Amen? Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be people who, you know, we say something, mean it, uh, say it with a heart to follow through on our word, uh, Lord, for you, Lord, for you. We could say a lot more about this passage, but uh, let's leave it at that this morning. Lord, if I, if I have a hard time being a man of my word, help me. Help me to confess that. Lord, help me to, help me to seek you for grace to be a man of my word, lest uh, not keeping my word would dishonor you uh, and cause people to think less of you. Uh, let me just read verse 37 real quick. Um, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of, of evil. <laughs> you ever say more than you should? <laughs> and in the, in the course of doing that, say a bunch of things that you just shouldn't? <laughs> Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I'm going to move on. So that's number one, the uh, law of, of, of oaths, and we might just say honesty and keeping oaths. Secondly, this morning, this. Secondly, law of retaliation. Uh, the law of retaliation. I want to ask you a question this morning. Carol, I'm watching your car this morning. I'm, gu I'm guarding it from that hawk that attacked it last week, okay? I'm going to keep an eye on it for you. So if I'm looking over here, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on your car, okay? That was really something. Law of retaliation. What's the first natural inclination we have when someone does you wrong? Uh, Rich, <laughs> I want to get that person. You're going to do that to me, I'm going to do twice as bad to you. You know what I mean, right? You don't think maybe exactly like that, but uh, we do struggle with that, right? The old nature is still there, and you know maybe it rears its ugly head most clearly when someone has wronged us. Uh, if you've done wrong to me, man, I'm going to get you back. I want to, I want to get you back. And, you know, we do that all kinds of ways. You know, if someone punches you, you want to punch them back, right? Lord's going to address that in a moment. Um, but we, we retaliate against people all sorts of different ways, right? Do you ever, maybe, you know, we're, we're Christians, so we wouldn't punch somebody. But do you ever withhold attention or withhold love or withhold grace? Do you ever withhold kindness? Um, maybe, maybe you don't, you know, aggressively go after them like you're going to beat them up. Sometimes we want to do that too, don't, don't we? Um, but, but you do, you, you find yourself just withholding kindness from that person because they, they did bad to you. They withheld kindness from you or worse. Um, retaliation comes in all different flavors and all different degrees, uh, like sin. <laughs> but at, sin is sin, right? No matter what flavor it is or no matter how bad it is, sin is sin. Uh, a heart to retaliate, regardless of the flavor or the degree of retaliation that we want to get someone with, it's still retaliation. Can we agree on that? Can we agree? It's, it's true, right? Retaliation 
uh, age retaliation. And you know very well the Lord has addressed this um, tendency in, in human nature. By the way, um, does the Lord know us really well? Does he know us really well, Brother Garcia? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, my wife knows me better than me, than I do, and the Lord knows me better than both of us. That's how that works. Um, the Lord understood this tendency in our fallen nature. Uh, he designed us, and, and he understands our fallen nature tendencies better than we do. And so this is why you have these principles of constraining retaliation, the natural inclination to retaliate back in, back in the Old Testament. First of all, see verse 38. He says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, uh, and a tooth for a tooth. that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Uh, you, that's an Old Testament principle. Uh, Exodus 21, 24, you can make a note. You see it in Leviticus 24, 19, and 20. You see it in Deuteronomy 19, 21. So if you can remember that, you can make some notes. Um, you see it in a variety of places in, in the Old Testament under the law, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, what happened, though, over time... Uh, kind of like, well, a lot like this idea of swearing oaths. Jewish people, they, they had knowledge of this principle uh, in their minds. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If, you know, if someone cuts off your, your finger, you cut off their finger. You know, and, uh, literally, you know, there's st stuff like that. Uh, we would be allowed to take retaliation against someone in proportion to the wrong that they committed to us. This is a biblical principle. But if you look back in study... Uh, the teaching sort of surrounding that phrase, uh, you see that the individual wasn't actually the one who was to carry it out. There were magistrates or judges uh, who were to carry out this proportional uh, retaliation. Uh, we see this, you know, if we, we won't go there this morning, but you see it back in Exodus 21. Um, there's teaching there about um, if a man strikes a woman, uh, a pregnant woman and, and causes the death of, of the baby. There, there were rules, and if he struck her, it didn't cause death of the baby. There was another principle, same principle, but different degrees of, of retaliation. But in that passage, the one who's doing the retaliating uh, is not the, the wife or the husband, but it's a judge. The matter is referred to a judge, and the idea is this someone who could kind of look at it somewhat more objectively and uh, and mete out the retaliation proportional to the harm uh, that was done. It's just one of the places and one of the applications that we see uh, of that principle in the Old Testament. But over time, uh, in the Jewish mind, this, the, the full context and the full teaching, uh, again, corrupted and, and clouded, and all people kind of kept in their mind was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's kind of what we have in our minds of that principle, right? We know, we know that phrase. It's just part of one verse in the context of a larger passage that teaches that it was a, a magistrate or a judge that was to carry out the retaliation. So uh, people people just focused on the, the core, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, and began to carry out the retaliation themselves. Uh, and this was a problem. This was a problem. It wasn't God's intent. Uh, and so I think Christ is addressing the, the fact that they had corrupted the teaching of, of Scripture. By the way, uh, if, you don't, if you don't keep your Bible open and stay in and revisit the things that you think you know, the same thing happens to us, right? You, you know that, right? 
you, you think you've got something down uh, in your mind, but the next time you read through it, whether it's a month, week or a month or a year later or some period of time later, you see, oh yeah, you know, there's a little bit more to that than I remember. Or if I look at the couple of verses before that phrase and the couple of verses after that, you know what, I see some context that I didn't quite get the first time or, or maybe kind of drained out of my mind. Do you struggle with that a little bit? Stuff goes in and then it kind of leaks out. Anybody struggle with that? Ben's saying, not me, I'm still young. Praise God, praise God. But over time, it kind of starts to leak out, right? Do you, am I right about that? I got a birthday coming up and I'm not... Brother Garcia thinks I'm still like a kid, right? Right? You're still a kid, Pastor, but not exactly. You know, I'm 50-something. It gets a little harder. you gotta keep, you got to keep in there, right? Because it goes in, and if you're not careful, it falls out. Uh, thankfully, isn't this good truth? The Holy Spirit's in there to kind of prevent all of it from falling out. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad for that? He's in there helping you hold on to it, right? But you've got to be in there uh, to allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to help us to remember and keep it in context. And, uh, you know, if, if we'll do that, it'll be easier to apply principles to current situations that we're facing also. We'll be reminded of principles and the context and the totality of the biblical teaching around that passage. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to be faithful to stay in our Bibles. Um, so here the Lord is addressing this natural tendency to kind of let things get messed up or corrupted or watered down in our minds. But he's also going beyond that and uh, calling disciples, calling believers to an even higher standard than had been the case under the Old Testament law. Under the Old Testament law, there was this strict principle uh, eye for eye, tooth for you. You wrong someone, you, you can expect proportional uh, damages to be extracted uh, from you. That, that was the principle, but Jesus is going to change that now. He's, he's going to call New Testament, New Covenant believers to a higher level of righteousness. It's not going to be just that you limit your retaliation to the proportion of the offense that was done to you. It's going to be a much higher, a much higher standard uh, of righteousness. Now, look at verse 39. It's a, tell me it's not a much higher standard. He says, but, <laughs> there it is again, but I, the Lord Jesus Christ, say unto you, all of them that were present and to all of us present, what? That ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy cheek. I'm going to stop right there. Under the strict Old Testament principle, the way that it was applied, uh, if someone smited you on the cheek, you might be allowed to what? Smite them back. Beat them up. Hold them down and, you know, choke them until they say uncle. No, smite them back on the cheek. That would be a strict application, really, of the standard, the application of that standard under the law. Jesus got a different, <laughs> higher uh, calling here, uh, uh, application with greater righteousness. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy, thy right cheek, turn to him the what? The other also. Isn't that really different? That's very different. Someone smite you on this cheek, turn on the other cheek, let them smite. That's very different. Um, it sounds to me, Gary, like the Lord is saying, you know what? Whereas in the past I constrained retaliation to keep it proportional to the wrong that you suffered, now I'm constraining retaliation to what degree? 
What degree? There's not going to be any. There's not going to be retaliation. Uh, God's going God's to take over complete responsibility for whatever, whatever degree of retaliation uh, is, is ultimately, in the end, going to be deserved. The Lord is going to take over complete responsibility for that. Uh, and believers, uh, the Lord's disciples, uh, are going to be uh, handling things a little bit differently. Now, you know, you, you could look at this and say, is, is God calling us to be cowards? Is he calling us to run away from challenges? And pro is he? Is he calling us to cowardice? Uh, someone, someone smites you on the cheek, and you just run away. Ah! <laughs> is that what he's doing? He's not. One man said, the Lord here is not calling us to cowardice, cowardice but to noble self-control. Amen. Amen. The Lord's not calling us to be cowards, but to be people who would exercise a noble Christ-honoring self-control. Zach Hammond, self-control is really what? God-control, right? I'll just yield myself to you, Lord. You take over. God, you control me. I'll yield, I yield control of me to you. Uh, you strengthen me to live this passage. By the way, if you punch me, my natural inclination is to punch you back. Amen? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Carol's saying, oh, I was going to do that. <laughs> Sorry, sister. Don't do that. Um, it's not cowardness. <laughs> Dr. Sorensen wrote this. By the way, pray for him. I think I mentioned he's sick. He has cancer, actually. Pray for him, please. Uh, he said, uh, the principle at hand is to be kind, patient, generous, taking whatsoever comes without retaliating. Instead of seeking vengeance, return kindness. Uh, instead of getting even, be generous. Uh, that's, that's the idea. I want to ask you a question this morning while we're here. Do you know anyone else who, um, who chose to exercise this newer, higher standard of righteousness in the context of someone wronging them? Someone, someone who chose to kind of turn the other cheek um, and allow whatever to be whatever. Do you know anyone that has done that? Maybe for you? Yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, imagine if he didn't do that. Imagine if he didn't. <laughs> imagine if he did. This is exactly what Christ has done for us. I mean, imagine if he said, if, when they arrested him, he, he, he retaliated. Uh, if, if when they began to nail, or not even at that point, when they, when they began to, to beat him and, and to, to hit him with, uh, what they hit him with? I, words are gone. Thank you. Uh, and, and it began to tear into his flesh. Uh, and the blood began to come forth, and all the pain and agony. Imagine if he, imagine if he retaliated at that point in kind. Um, Brother Gary, I think I'd still be looking for a Savior to pay the price for my sins. Christ didn't retaliate. This, this is uh, what he's calling us to is, is what he did uh, there upon the cross. This is what Christ did for us. Um, in Lamentations 3 and verse 30, um, this is actually prophesied. Lamentations 3.30 says, He giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. Uh, he is filled full with reproach. Um, this is exactly what Christ done for us. 
Uh, in Isaiah 50 and verse 6, it was prophesied, Christ do this for us also. Isaiah 50 and verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's exactly what the Lord did for us. If he had just angrily retaliated, um, the death, burial, and resurrection would not have been completed. And we would be in a far bigger mess. Amen? Amen. Um, Brother Ray Metchik, um, I think the idea here is that if, if we will respond to those, by the way, I don't think you're, you're not called to let someone just beat you to death, right? <laughs> There's, I think this, not, nothing here prevents us from defending ourselves where we need to, right? Can we agree on that? Anyone disagree? <laughs> Anyone boldly disagree? I disagree, Pastor. <laughs> I tell the students in my Gospels class, um, I say, you're allowed to disagree. No one has. It would be more fun if they would, you know. <laughs> um, pray for them. They have midterm coming up this week. Um, we're, not, we're not called to let people just walk on us and, and beat us up, but we are called to be Christ-like in our response to people mistreating us, right? Um, are, is there a graciousness being pictured here? Right? Um, mercy and, and, and grace. What, what is grace? It's the Lord treating us how? Better than we deserve? Amen. <laughs> I didn't deserve to be saved, Brother Ray. Uh, I don't think for a moment that I, Pastor Robert Hammond, deserved to have the Lord Jesus Christ come from heaven as a man and endure all that he endured leading up to the cross. Easter's coming, right? Uh, can you believe that? Praise God. I don't deserve that. That's, that I'm a sinner, <laughs> but I'm saved by grace. Boy, I don't deserve that. Uh, Gary, I believe the Lord here is calling us to um, treat those who wrong us graciously. And in doing that, that we would be a picture of Christ in their lives. Um, do, you, do you think that if, if we treat lost people the way Christ is prescribing here, that that might help pave the way for them to come to Christ? I'm not saying just, just, not just, do, no one's going to get saved if we just act this way, right? No, but um, it might, it might start to pave the way. It might blaze a trail that you could then kind of lead people down a little more easily, you know, cut down some of the difficulties and you could then lead them down that trail a little more easily if you've shown them the kind of grace that you're going to tell them that you have found in Christ. And now you're sharing the same kind of thing with them. Uh, they'll, they'll understand maybe grace a little better because they, they've seen it from you. Uh, I just, don't you know, you know today that if we would take up this principle and apply it with wisdom. Don't let people you know, beat you to death, but apply this principle with wisdom. Uh, Gary, I just know the Lord would, would bless us with the privilege to lead some folks to him. Don't you think? Yeah. Uh, God is not saying this because he, he has purposes. Yes, he's calling us to higher standard of righteousness, and all these things are examples of that, but you can just see, you can sense, you can see, and uh, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the Holy Spirit confirms in, in my heart that 
Um, if, if we'll live the way the Lord is calling us to live here with, in his strength, because I don't have the ability to do this. You wrong me, I want to beat you up. Amen. <laughs> if I'll just yield the Lord and, and allow him to work in me to constrain my response, to conform it to his word, I may just have the privilege to eventually lead that person to Christ. That's a good thing, amen? Do you ever realize, um, I think I know the answer, but let me ask you, do you ever get convicted that you just don't have a heart to lead people to the Lord? you ever get convicted about that? I know that I should, but I, you just realize for some period of time, I, I just really haven't had a heart to lead anyone to Christ. You ever, you ever come to, Lord ever just kind of get a hold of you and say, hey, uh, for, for some period of time, even, including now, you, you know that you should share the gospel and you know, conform your life to these principles so that you might have the opportunity to lead someone to me, but you just, you don't have a heart. You don't have a heart to do that. You ever been there? You ever been there? What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry, I confess that, right? You're convicting me of that right now, Lord. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Father. Th thank you. Uh, I agree. I agree. Intellectually, I know that I'm, uh, the Great Commission is for me. You've given me this great purpose, but I, I've just lost a heart to walk in that purpose, to be sort of on the lookout for opportunities to share the gospel, to give someone a gospel track, to, to live according to these principles within your strength so that that might open doors to share the gospel. Lord, I'm convicted. I just haven't had a heart to do that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Just confess it. Confess it. Ask the Lord to give you that heart. He's changed your heart already, right? Is he giving you a new heart? Sometimes it just needs a little tune-up, right? Just needs a little tune-up. <laughs> He's already given us a new heart. You know, if you get a new car, it's going to need a little tune-up eventually, right? Uh, you just need a little tune-up. God, you, you, th thank you for convicting me. Give me a heart. Uh, would, you, would you be mindful of that um, in the coming weeks? And uh, would, you, would you pray regularly, Lord, give me a heart to share the gospel? Could I ask us to do that as a church? Would you? Would you do that? Make a note. Write it down, make a mental note. Uh, Lord, kind of burn that onto my heart. Give me a heart to pray that you give me a heart to share the gospel. I know that we often don't. I mean, let's just be honest. Marilyn, we're in church, we might as well be honest, right? <laughs> God, give us a heart that we should have to, to share the gospel. And, and Lord, help us to see that if we'll take up these things that we're looking at today, uh, that'll help open doors. Um, Gary, I believe God will open more doors if we have a genuine heart to go through those doors. But God knows if he opens doors, we have no heart to go through them. Why should he open them? He knows. Why should he open a door if you're not going to go through it? Lord, give us a heart to go through the door with your words and, and share the gospel. Look at verse 40, similar idea here. If any man will sue thee at law and take away thy coat. If anyone's going to sue you and try to take away your stuff, your coat is the example here, let him have thy cloak also. Give him something else. <laughs> same principle. Same principle. Verse 41 is a similar principle here. Who, whomsoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. You remember the historical context for that, that verse, right? Uh, in the first century, under Roman rule, 
Roman citizens could compel non-citizens to carry their stuff for a mile if they were traveling through your area. They could say, hey, Gary, I got this load here. You're not a Roman citizen. Grab that and carry it the next mile. Uh, that was the thing. That, that was law. And uh, I forget what percentage of people uh, would have been Roman citizens. Brother Garcia, it wasn't a lot, right? It wasn't a lot. Most people were not citizens. Uh, is there anyone in the New Testament who is famously a Roman citizen who God used greatly? Paul. Yeah, Paul. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he uses all different kinds of people, but that's the context here. Whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, uh, go two. <laughs> go two. Carry that back-breaking load, not one mile, which was required under the law, but, but two. Uh, be extra generous. Uh, just, just go out of your way to show someone a, a generosity. Zach, maybe there's a compassion in there somewhere, too. Uh, show someone a, a godly, uh, uh, gracious generosity that might cause them to stop and say, what is it about you? Why, you know, no one goes two miles. Why are you going two miles? And you can say, well, listen, I, um, I've been treated better than I've deserved to be treated. And um, I want you to see that... Um, because of that, I have a heart to treat others better than they deserve to be treated. And um, maybe you're interested in that kind of a heart. Uh, do you think there's opportunities sometimes to apply this principle in our lives? Aren't you glad no one can come up to you and say, hey, carry this load a mile? <laughs> I'm pretty glad for that. Um, I'm pretty glad for that. I don't think I could get a mile with much of a load. Amen, Brother Steve? I don't know. Um, when someone asks you for help, maybe, someone just asks you for help, you know, would you help me for an hour? Help me for two hours, <laughs> you know? Um, maybe that's a, that's a simple way to apply this principle today. By the way, I'm grateful for helpful people in our church. Some of you are just so helpful. I, I, I marvel at it. I praise God for it. Thank you. Thank you. Verse 42, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. The same idea, right? Someone asks, give. Someone asks to borrow, give. You have to be wise about that. There's, there's, there's settings and context in which that would be unwise. But generally speaking, this is this, you know, give, be, be gracious, be generous, um, you know, up to the point at which doing so might actually hurt someone, right? There's, there's, there's different contexts and settings where, where the wisdom would pr provide a boundary here or, uh, to this. But generally speaking, we ought, we, ought to be, we ought to be the most generous people out there with wisdom, wisdom mixed into uh, the generosity. Um, are God's people generous? Do you, do you find you find each other to be generous? You're generous people. I, I can tell you that you are. Uh, praise God. Let's go just a bit further here. We'll stop. Um, third thing, and we'll, we'll, we're done here. There's this principle of obviously of love, uh, a law of love, or a principle of love that we see throughout Scripture, and and really everything that we've looked at already this morning might be examples of that love, love in action. Uh, biblical love is just, just that, right? It's, it's verbal. It's doing. It, it involves doing uh, for the Lord or for one another. Jesus says in verse 43, and we'll just look at this quickly, we'll be done. He says, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor 
Okay. Uh, and hate thine enemy. Which part is easier? <laughs> Which part's easier? Is that easier for you? Yeah? Amen. <laughs> amen. Uh, amen. It has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but, verse 44, so, you know, in the context of this passage, you, you know, something even more difficult uh, is coming. Uh, just, you know, loving your neighbor is not always easy. Not always easy. Uh, Jesus says, but, there's going to be a higher standard of righteousness for, for God's people, for, his, for Christ's disciples. But I say unto you, and there's a, there's a fourfold command here from Christ. Uh, and, you know, some of it you might say is relatively easy, but some of it's relatively hard. He says, love your enemies. How hard is that? How hard is that? That's not easy. <laughs> uh, he's saying love your enemies. You, you know, that begins in the heart, but we know biblical love, again, in, involves doing for them. So, you know, going the extra mile. <laughs> By the way, this is where that phrase comes from, right? Going the extra mile. Um, going the extra mile, uh, keeping your word uh, to them, not retaliating against them. Um, I think those would be examples of, of love. Uh, the Lord says that you're going you're gonna to love your enemies. You're going to do good to them that uh, are, have chosen to be your enemies. Uh, number two, he says, bless them that curse you. Be a blessing to those who only want to be a curse to you. Uh, similar idea. Three, do good to them that what? What? What is it? Zach Hammond, do good to them that what? Hate you. There are people out there that hate you. That's not a pleasant thought. Um, I can tell you for sure there's plenty of people out there who hate the Lord and who hate his people in general. You know that, right? And we'll probably see that kind of more, increasingly more out in the open. It's pretty out there in the open now, but you know, be prepared for that, to see that even more out in the open. Uh, do good to them that hate you. Uh, and verse, uh, number four in this passage, uh, pray for them which despitefully use you and what? Persecute you. Boy. That is a tall order, Lord. Uh, is, that, is that verse convicting? Ugh. That, that means this verse is convicting. <laughs> Love your enemies. Lord, help me, because I'm going to need help to do that. Uh, bless them that curse you. Be a blessing to those that curse you. Uh, Lord, I'm going to need your help. Lord, help me. Uh, do good to them that hate you. Uh, Lord, that person treated me hatefully. That's not my inclination to do good to them. Lord, I'm going to need your grace to do that. I'm going to need you to help me. Uh, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. You know, I look at the last part of the verse there, and I say, that feels like, that feels like the easiest thing. But then I think, you know, I'm not so sure it is. <laughs> is it easy to pray for someone who's been really bad to you? Is it easy to pray for them if they've been really bad to you? No. It might, be, it might be the easiest thing to do here, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't know about you, but I find it relatively easy to pray for people who've been relatively good to me. And I find it relatively hard to pray for people who've been relatively bad to me. And um, I think that's why the Lord put that command here, because he knows that. Amen? He knows that. Uh, Lord, help us. Give us a heart to demonstrate love to people who demonstrate quite the opposite to us. 
um, before you were saved, before you were saved, um, were you living to demonstrate love to the Lord? Brother Art, you were, right? You were just before you were saved. No, we didn't do that, right? We weren't even thinking about it. We didn't know much about God. Um, before you were saved, who were you living for? Yeah, <laughs> that's easy, right? By the way, it's easy to do that today, too, as saved people, live for yourself. Till the Holy Spirit comes and starts convicting you about that. You're not living for the Lord. You're still living for you. Stop that. You ever get burdened like that? You're, you're living for you, not for me. Still, stop that. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, he means stop that, right? Stop that. Okay, Lord, with your strength, I, I'll stop that. Um, before you were saved and you were living for yourself rather than for the Lord, were you demonstrating love to the Lord? Were you doing that? Were you? No, not really. Not at all, right? Not at all. And yet, did the Lord demonstrate love to you? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, our actions toward the Lord were anything but loving before we were saved. Most of us, at least. And at times, I, I suspect the Lord viewed some of that as... as far worse than just not loving, maybe even hateful toward him. Maybe. And yet, he loved us so much that he did what? He sent his only begotten son to die? That terrible death? For us. I don't know how to tell you this. Well, I'm not. God is. <laughs> he's calling us to treat other people the same way he's treated us. That's a tall order. Brother Steve, it's, it's harder for me because I'm not God. You knew that. But um, aren't I indwelt by him? And hasn't he enabled me and equipped me to treat others who aren't demonstrating love to me the same way he's treated me when I wasn't demonstrating love to him? Hasn't he equipped me to do, equipped, is that, <laughs> equipped me to do the same thing that he has done for me. Hasn't he? Has he? Church? Maybe we need to vote on it. I don't know. Maybe that's how we'll decide things, Brother Director, from now on. We'll just vote <laughs> on, on scripture and doctrine. I don't think we should do that. Uh, praise God, he has equipped us to do what he's calling us to do here. But, but you've got to see verse 44, and you've got to see those four imperatives and, and say, you probably have to say, you know what, Lord, I fall short here. One, two, three, yep, four, two. Um, and that's agreement, that's, that's confession. Lord, my heart is to be a retaliator. I gotta confess that. Um, by the way, you have to kind of deal with the, that retaliation issue before you can move on and, and be loving, right? You gotta confess the, the natural inclination to retaliate against people who are unloving toward you. Deal with that, right? And then when you get to verse 44, you can say, well, okay, I've done, I've done half of the business I need to do here. God, I see now that I, we've, we've dealt with that tendency. Uh, you're calling me to put on something else in its place. And isn't that always the biblical principle? We don't just put off sin to put off sin. The Lord calls us to put off sin and to put on something better in its place. 
And that's the way the passage flows. Put off the, the heart to retaliate. Put off all that stuff that we've seen up to this point, which is unloving. Examples of unrighteousness, unkindness, unloving stuff, gook. That's the theological term, gook, unrighteous gook. Put that off and, and put on this loving, righteous, godly love in its place. Is it a tall order? Yeah. Are we going to need to pray, Lord, help me to put off the gook um, and put on love in it? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> this is one of those areas, again, where you kind of keep need, you need to keep doing the maintenance, right? Lord, I caught myself wanting to retaliate. Maybe not punch someone, but withhold kindness from them or ignore them. Ignoring people is a form of retaliation. Uh, God, that person was bad to me. I caught myself doing that. I confessed that. Help me to forsake that. Lord, help me to put on grace and love in its place. Not that I'm being cowardly or letting people walk on me, but I'm being noble and Christ-like so that we can maintain a relationship which might be a bridge to share the gospel with someone, which is a bridge for that person from hell to heaven. Amen? Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you. For your words, <laughs> Father, thank you for um, the instruction here. I thank you, Lord, for the conviction this morning. Uh, certainly, these are convicting words. Lord, I thank you that you do call us to such a high standard of righteousness. It's humbling. <laughs> it's humbling, and I, I thank you for that. Lord, passages like this remind me of how far I fall short and how much, Lord, I need you to work in my life, that my life might be more and more conformed to your words for you, for you. Lord, I pray this morning that we would do what we've seen uh, this morning, that we confess um, the extent to which we've fallen short. And I know, Lord, all of us, myself included, need to do that this morning to agree with you. And Lord, then in the next breath, uh, ask for your grace to put on obedience to the things that you've called us to for your honor and glory. Lord, I see the, the pract many practical um, applications, not applications, but motives. I see here this morning that these living according to these words will blaze a path to share the gospel many times. And so I pray you give us a heart to take up that motive as well. Lord, to please you, but also to see that confessing sin and putting on the obedience that you've called us to this morning will, will have practical benefits also when it comes to sharing the gospel. Give us a heart for that, Lord, please. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can look at a passage like this and not be frustrated by it, not be turned off by it, not feel compelled to flee away from your words and flee away from you, but Lord, flee to you, confessing and asking for grace to live according to your words. I pray that be our heart this morning. Thank you, Lord. Give you a moment to pray and we'll close.
Lord, I thank you this morning that Christ did come and shed his blood for the sin that's revealed by passages like these. Thank you this morning that our shortcomings in each of these areas, the sin, is covered by the blood of our Savior. Thank you so much. Father, I pray this morning that we not take that as a license to continue in disobedience, but that we would instead confess the sin, seek your grace, your strength, to put it off, to forsake it, to put on obedience in its place for your pleasure and for all the practical benefits that, that come with that. Lord, I thank you this morning that when we deal with sin, and look to you for strength to go on in greater obedience. Lord, you bless. You bless your people. There's joy in whatever blessings you choose to pour into our lives. Lord, we don't deserve that, but I thank you for that this morning. I praise you for that this morning. I pray our hearts would be that those blessings would accrue to your glory. Lord, help us to be thankful for the many blessings. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.